Spread number love all across the globe. It's the Vibe Show. I'm your host, Kano the Don, the Vibe King. And tonight we have a special guest joining us on the show tonight, man. I'm talking about this is legendary. I'm talking about artist, actor, songwriter, legendary status, bars, Mr. Chicken himself, the one and only Cassidy. What's up with you, boy? Thanks for having me, man. Man, most definitely. We, hey, before we even get started, man, I just want to just thank you for me and my team for this opportunity, dog. I'm talking about this is real, real major. This heavy right here. Nah, I appreciate y'all, man. Yo, I want to, um, man, it's, it's, the archives is crazy, man. I'm talking about, it's no way I'll be able to cover everything, but I want to get down to, um, I want to take my take take the listeners back a little bit, man, because I don't I don't think people understand like the work and the grind that's been put in over the years. Like you you didn't just start doing this, man, and just because you know what I'm saying. Like I, I don't know, man, and 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 it just it amazes me. So I just want to go back a little bit, if it's all right with you. Okay, let's go back. Cool. Okay, now you originally from. Um, Philadelphia, right? Pennsylvania? Yes, sir. Born and raised. Born and raised. Okay. City, Philly. Now, you started on the scene, let's say, uh, late 90s um, battle rapping, right? Uh, well, I got my first record deal in the late 90s, 99. Ah. Um, I, was, I was gone since the begin since the early 90s. That's when I started to get my buzz in the city of Philadelphia. But I got a record deal and started doing it on a larger scale in '99 when I got signed to the Rough Riders. Right, and 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 at that age, you were what, sixteen, seventeen? Yeah, I, I actually got with the Rough Riders when I was sixteen, but I signed the actual contract when I turned seventeen. Wow, major right there. You know what I mean? Teenage years, grinding, getting it in. So, what can we can we talk about? Like, what actually got you um, noticed? Because, like, that's what I was saying. Like, you had already been um, battle rapping against different cats within the city already, right? What what got you that recognition to the point to where that came into play? Um. Well, I started off rapping in um, I would say like the third or third or fourth grade. Uh, um, a teacher asked me what I wanted to be when I when I grew up. Well, it was an after-school program, but the teacher the after-school program asked me what I wanted to be when I grow up. And I was kind of like a class clown because I was always <laughs> smart. Like, right. Um, on the intellectual side, I always got straight A's in school. But sometimes I would get bad behavior grades because I would, like, play around a lot because I already knew to work, so it was, like, kind of boring unless I was having fun. Right. So um, she asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up, and I said a rapper. So she was like, all right, well, if you wanted to be a rapper, um, write a rap about uh, fire prevention, because it was a fire prevention program. Like, after program <laughs> yeah. About fire prevention. So she said, write a rap about fire prevention, bring it to the after-school program tomorrow, say it to everybody here, and we'll let you know if you got a chance of being a good rapper or not. Mm. So I was just clowning around when I said I wanted to be a rapper, but she put me on the spot. So now I had to show up. I had to get it done. Right. The whole rest of the day, I was just working on trying to put this rap together. And um, uh, I just was up the whole night just focusing on this rap, focusing on this rap. And I finally put together my first rap. And I went over it, memorized it. My memory was crazy at this point, so it wasn't even hard for me to remember it. And I went and said it the next day at the after school program, and they went crazy. Like, all of the girls, all of the dudes, even the teachers, the everybody was just going crazy, asking me all these questions. And, like, they just seemed so amazed that I was able to write a rap that dope. And this was my first time writing a rap. Right. So that feeling is what made me want to be a rapper. Like, not fame or 
jewelry or success or the girls or just wanting to be famous. Like, that's what most people rap for. Right, right. But I wanted to rap because I like the feeling of impressing people with my words. Being able to sit down, write something that I came up with in my own head, and people in the world be amazed by that and look at it like art. Right. That was amazing to me, and I realized I wanted to be the best at doing that. So um, ever since then, I've been going hard with um, with rap. So when I finally started to get more of a name or a reputation in the city, um, I got a manager. His name William Hart. He's the lead singer of the Delphonics. It's a famous singing group with big hits like La 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 La. Yeah, Did yeah. Did I blow your mind this time? And they got a bunch of hits. They even did writing for a lot of other big groups. But he's the lead singer of that group, so they was in the business since the 60s and 70s and things like that. So he was able to teach me a lot about the business, um, the things that they did good and the things that they did bad, um, parts of the business that they wasn't familiar with, where they got robbed. So he was able to give me a lot of information that prevented me from being in a in a in that worse of a situation when I got my record deal. Right. And that's where I first started recording. He had a son that used to produce and had a studio. So that's where I first started like recording. Because at that point, I was just focused on writing raps and saying them. I wasn't really focused on making music. Right. So that's when I made the transition from just rapping to making music when I when I um got the manager, Mr. Hart. And this was all around the time when I was like um, 14, 15 years old. So um, I'm saying all this. I know I'm long-winded, but I'm saying all this because Mr. Hart, my manager at the time, had a son named DJ Romance. And he was a DJ on a radio station, 103.9 at the time. Right. And he told me about this competition where people was calling up and battling each other, and I should call up and do it. But the um, the the dude name was Zulu. It was Zulu and the family. That was the name of the show that was doing the cipher. And DJ Romance, his son, he was on the radio station, but he did like slow jams and stuff like that. So he told me about the show. I listened to it, and then I called up the next day. And when I called up the next day, they picked up and they actually answered. I got chosen to be one of the contestants, and I won that night. And um, once I won that night, I became the champion. And I started having to re-enter the battle every night, and I kept winning for so long <laughs> yeah. that the city was going crazy. I was making such an impact from this radio show. I had so many people tuning in. The ratings went up so crazy in the city that the other radio station couldn't even compare when it was time for the cipher. So it was like a real big thing in the city, but everybody knew my voice and my name, but nobody knew my face. So after I was doing a cypher for so long, they was giving me the opportunity to get backstage passes at concerts where I first met, like, Cannabis and Wyclef, oh. Busta Rhymes, like, all of these big stars at the time, I was able to meet backstage, talk to them, rap for them, because I was getting backstage passes from being on this cypher show. Right. So that's what kind of got me in the door and got everybody kind of hearing about me and got my buds up in the city. So whenever somebody would come to the city, and ask who was hot or who was rapping or who was doing something, everybody would bring me up. So it was only going to be a matter of time before I got a situation. Like, I got a, other offers and other opportunities. Um, even before the Rough Riders, it was like I was I was hot at the time. I was popping. Everybody wanted me. It was like a bidding war. Right. But um, Swiss father, TD, the negotiator, he came through Philly to get his hair cut. He wasn't living in Philly. He was just passing through the city. And um, he knew my barber from back in the day. They they had a relationship. So he came and got his hair cut from my barber. And he asked, who hot in the city? Who, who y'all got that's doing this thing? And even though my barber rapped himself, he knew he didn't really take it serious like that. So he brought me up. He was like, man, Cassidy, man, he the, he, he the best out here, man. He running it. Yo, you got to hear him. So they called me to the barbershop. When they called me to the barbershop, I started rhyming for TD, the Swiss father. Um, after I spit one rhyme, he asked me to hear something else. Once he did that, I just lost it. Next thing you know, I'm rapping for about 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah. Rapping. And he was just so shocked. We exchanged information. He told me he was down with Rough Riders, but it's not like he was DMX or somebody I yeah. recognized. So I, <laughs> yeah, I didn't know yeah. How true it was. Yeah. But I just gave him my information and stepped off. The next day in school, or it was either the next day or two days later, 
I was in school and I got a page and this one beepers was out so my mom paid me and it was weird for her to page me when she knew it was school hours I should be in school and she paging me that was that meant it was an emergency so I ran to the cell um the pay phone in the hallway of my school and called there and she was like did you meet somebody named Terrence or something from, from New York the Rough Riders or something like that because he wants you to come to New York and he's been calling trying to get in contact with you and I'm like nah but then I did remember that I met the guy in the barbershop that said he was with Rough Riders so I'm like oh yeah I did meet somebody she was like yeah well he said his brothers that own the Rough Riders want to meet you and he wants you to come to New York and make a long story short well make a long story a long story even longer <laughs> man this um, is classic right here uh -huh. man I left school that day. I left school, got with a few of my friends, and came out to New York. And um, that was the first day I went, met Y. Dan Y is the CEOs of Rough Riders. But Y, y was there. D was in Miami at the time. So I got a chance to meet Y and a bunch of other people from the Rough Riders. And, um, but see, this is the thing. I was a solo artist at the time. I was the Bull B. Um, that was the name I was going by, the Bull B at the time. Okay, that's what I was going to ask you. was Barry, and in Philly, the Bull is like slang, and they used to call me B for sure. So when they picked up the phone and said, 103.9, who is this? I'm like, the Bull B. And they recorded it and used that, even though that wasn't my rap name at the time. Yeah. That became my rap name because they made it like that. So. How does it? How did, how did it transition to, to Cassidy? That was interesting, mm -hmm. man. Yeah, well, it transitioned to Cassidy um, um, not too long after that because my name was B. Cassidy. It's like the boy B. Yeah. And, and then it went to just B. Cassidy. And Cassidy was like my last name. My name was B. Cassidy. It's B. Cass, known for the chrome and the ski mask. I'm so dope, I should get thrown in the rehab. Like, that's <laughs> how I was rapping back then. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I guess it was too long. So, you know, after a while, after I got my deal, I guess people didn't want to say B. Cassidy or B. Cass or whatever, or B. Cass. So people just started calling me Cass, just shortened it up. And eventually, once I got in the industry, that's just more how it went. People just was calling me Cassidy. So eventually the B just got cut off and I went with Cassidy as a whole. Right. But it seemed like Cassidy is my first name, but Cassidy was really my last name. Ah. People just started calling me Cassidy all the time. So then the B got cut off and we just went with Cassidy. Let me ask you this. When um at, at that age, like, because you just, you, just, you just basically spoke about a lot. And a lot of things that I'm sure a lot of people didn't know, and even me, that was I just thought that that was interesting. Now, being that young, and all of these all of these amazing things happening, like you said, like you wasn't really doing it for all of that, you know, in the beginning. Like you you like the excitement of the crowd, and you know, just to be able to, you know, what I'm saying, see people expressions from something some something that you're doing. So, going through from from that to transitioning to dealing with um managers and and industry people and like what what was that transition mentally for you like like what was that like um it was a uh, it was a difficult transition because like i told you i was so young right i started dealing with managers and lawyers and signing contracts i was 16 17 years old so most people that age don't normally deal with that type of business on that large of a level. When I signed my first record deal, I had to bring my mother there because I wasn't even old enough to sign the contract off for myself. So my parents had to sign off for me. So it was kind of difficult being young and thinking like you got to, uh, like people in the outside world got an idea what they think the industry is. Right. You just think it's just, what you see on the videos or what you hear on the radio, you just come up with your own imagination of what the industry could be like. But when you do that as an outsider, you only think about the positive things, like the money, being a star, being a celebrity. You think about a lot of the positive stuff, but not all of the negative things that come along with it. Right. And being to the fact that I was coming straight from the street, um, I used to look at um, the industry the same way. Like, because that's what I thought the industry was filled with. That's what they 
told me when I was a kid that they kept it real, that they was the real dudes, that they was like from the streets. Right. So I'm thinking like if these rappers and these people in the industry is from the streets, then if I treat them the same way I treat these dudes on the streets, everything should be cool. But it wasn't like that. It's like completely different from how the streets work. I mean, it's similar with the rules, but it's not like the codes and the laws is the same. And the penalties is the same if you break the rules of the laws. So mm-hmm. with me not knowing that, I was kind of lost. And um, I was kind of lost as far as, not lost, but I was kind of confused on how hard I wanted to go because I loved the music. And like I said, I wanted to do it to impress people. Right. But when you get caught up in the business, that, that the focus is more business, making money, being successful, and doing whatever you got to do to more, be more successful in the business. But sometimes that would contradict the main reason why I wanted to rap, which was being the best. So sometimes being successful in business might not make you the best. It might just make you be successful at the business at the time. Right. But in the long run, you might not be looked at as nowhere near the best. Now, to give you an example, you could look at any time in hip-hop history, we had all type of celebrities that was big at the time. Mm-hmm. As far as maybe billboard status or radio play or whatever but that don't mean that they was one of the best like sometimes we had people with some of the biggest songs ever that nobody don't even really remember exactly. they would never go back to the uh the music sites or whatever and pull up that artist and play them but back when they was out they had a huge record you know right. what I'm saying? but that was good for the business the huge record at the time but that wasn't good for them doing it what I wanted to do it for which was to be the best right. so that was a that was a big problem like you said when I got into the industry because the industry tried to take you in one direction to be big successful with the business but my main interest was something different so that's why me and the business wasn't really doing too good together when I was in it right right and, and you know what that's what I, I, I was going to ask you that question too because that's something that I always I always wondered, and that's always been a lot of barbershop talk, always been a lot of um, talk amongst a lot of people even over the years, you know what I'm saying? Because when you came in the game, you hit a different type of way, you know what I mean? So it was like, you know how the artist could come in the game and they hitting you like, yo, this this dude is, is going to be here for a minute, he, he, you know what I mean? And then it's like, boom, you hit, you come with a whole different type of style you know, and the whole nine wordplay bars, all of that, and then it's like, okay, you you see this rocket ship going up, and then after that, it's like, yo, what's like, like what's going on? Like, where's Cassidy? So that kind of like make a lot of sense what you're saying, the way you broke that down. That gives me a better understanding on why you know, I cause I feel like you should be in a certain position, and you know, along with a lot of other people, but then you're breaking it down the conflict with what you were in it for and then what the industry wanted. Facts. And it, it, it didn't match. It didn't really go together at the time. So that's why I didn't really, um, I didn't really do as good as I possibly could in the business because I wasn't pushing myself too. Uh-huh. And it's like an example so you can understand even better or for the viewers that might not be like as familiar with me as I mean, some other ones are. Um, I did a song, my first single, my first my first album was called Script Personality. Right. It came out in uh, 2003. But um, that was my first album. And the first single of that album was called Hotel. It was a song featuring R. Kelly that we put out. Now, it's a big record. It was appealing to over 100 million in audience a day on the radio. Right. I'm talking about the top 40 song, like a real hit, not like hip-hop R&B hit like we hear nowadays and think that it's doing so crazy, but not too many people hearing a song a day. I'm talking about a real pop hit. It was crazy big. And this is my first single. So even though I had a reputation on the streets, certain people that knew me from Philly and from the city or from the mixtapes or from the DVD days, they knew that i get busy. I was a real lyricist. They knew right. I was a threat, potentially going to be one of the best. But um, the world got to know me from Hotel, which is a different feeling. It's like it's a good song, but it don't make you feel like, yo, he's going to be one of the best lyricists ever or he got 
the dopest bars ever. Like, it don't give you that feeling. Right, right, so, okay. Even though it was a big song and it's successful and it's playing on the radio, those are not the type of songs I want to do. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. So it's a fight because people will say, you should do a song like Hotel just because they heard it playing on the radio or seen the video a lot and think that's the only way to do a hit, thinking that's what the most people in the world like. But that's not true. That's just the songs that the, the machine that was behind you will push the most. Right. That don't necessarily mean that's what the most people in the world like or even want to hear from you. And that was a fight that I was having. And the, the next single I came out with was Get No Better, which was a song featuring Mashonda, which was another song for the ladies, another radio top 40 type of song, mm-hmm. which was another good song, but uh, but it just didn't match the history I had, battling and burying people and being feared in the streets for lyrics and then right. coming out with two songs like that is just like the complete opposite of what I really was. Right. So it's like, why would you do that? Why would you create a whole image for a person that's not even what they are? And it's like, I didn't like that. That's what I was always trying to figure out how to make that connect some type of way. And it just take experience. And because I was only 17, it took me a few years to figure it out, like how to make make it all connect and make it all work so that I could be lyrical and do what I want to do, mm-hmm. but also still make what they consider to be a hit record or a successful record. So me meshing that together is how I came up with my second um, album and the single for that project was I'm a Hustler. Right. I'm a Hustler is the first platinum ringtone ever. Like you could Google search it out. Oh list. yeah, absolutely. Platinum ringtone ever. It was a huge song. It would have been even bigger, but I was arrested when the song was about to drop. But that was an example. I'm giving you the I'm a Hustler an example, which was the difference between Hotel with Get No Better. It was more like a street song, more Mm -hmm. of a rough song, more like edgy, more lyrics in it, more figurative language. It was, um, it it, it showed uh, more of my lyrical capabilities at the time than Hotel with Get No Better. Right. It was more street. It wasn't even feeling like it should be on the radio. And I presented it to my label at the time. They said, this could never be a single. Listen to the chorus. Mm-hmm. Nigga acts, nigga, nigga acts about me. Nigga acts, nigga, nigga acts about me. I'm a hustler. they like, how can we get that on the radio? It's just constant. Like, language is just constant. It, it won't work. They thought it wouldn't work. Right. But I told them, this is the vibe, man. This is the energy. This is the wave. And when we put it out, it just went crazy. Without even having the radio budget, the DJs, the mix show DJs, and everybody out there just started to support on their own. So it started to just buzz and, and just pick up on its own. So once mm-hmm. the label seen that it was picking up, they tried to follow the the hype. But we could have been even more on top of the I'm a Hustle hype if they would have believed in me that it was such a big hit. Right. You Let me ask I mean? you this. So you can see, like, through my career, I've been growing, trying to figure out how to to do it, do them both. Like, or you can make a hit and have a successful record but still be true to what you want to do or how you feeling at the time and not make them force hits. Like, some people got paperwork, recorded evidence of what a hit is, mm-hmm. and they try to just follow the same formula and do the same thing. Just the, oh, this sounds like it's radio, and it's like, that's... That's what's kind of messing the industry up now. People not really being creative or doing their best. They just following this cardboard formula. Right. And the people that make that formula up is not the creators. It's not the people that invent music or got all of the talent. Those be the people that have no talent but just want to understand how the business works. So they need them. They need them categories to, 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 to figure out how things work or what sounds like what. Because if you don't understand the music, you don't know how to make it and you barely know how to hear it only thing you could really go by stats right so that's why them stats exist but it's not for the creators the people that's really making the music they don't really need to be caught up in the stats because it don't work for them it only works for the people that's robbing them right why do you um why do you feel like even with everything that you've contributed to the culture um with pushing the culture forward as far as being a lyricist, um, putting out dope music, um, showing the grind and the hustle and what it takes to really truly be an artist, even with putting in all of that, why do you feel like the new the new generation um, don't really pay homage to that? Because I think that's 
I think they do. There's billions of people in the world, and there's a lot of people that think all different ways. And it's similar to how when I was younger or even before I came along, the same type of people and the same split of ideas or the ways people think. Right. It's all about what's publicized at the time. Mm-hmm. The media control what you think the most people think in the world. So if people hear a song on the radio, it might be a, a R&B hip-hop station but it could be only probably like 70,000 people listening at the time. Right. But when you think of a radio station in your city, you think everybody could hear, so people are automatically just assume it's just the whole world listening, like millions and millions of people just listening all at once, just like you. When really it don't, when really it don't necessarily got to be that many people um, listening or tuned in at, oh, hold, hold on, hold on. Absolutely. Appreciate everybody jumping on the live right now. We got Cassidy on on the show right now with us right now. Appreciate y'all jumping on the live, showing all that love, man. Appreciate y'all. Oh, I'm I'm, I'm back. But where, where was I at? What was what was, what was, what was, we, what was we at? We was talking about um, you were breaking down the radio and 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 how it's more people in the world, but people view things a certain type of way, you know by hearing what they hear just from the radio, but it's a bigger spectrum. What was the original question that you I was I was asking you, like, why do you think that um, with every, with everything that you've attributed to the culture, why do you think that um, people don't really pay, a lot of the, the younger generation don't really pay homage to that? Oh, yeah, 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 that's what it was. Oh, yeah, I was saying, like, the reason why I'm getting into that is because it could be confusion. I think a lot of young dudes do pay homage and they do have respect it's just like that's not what's publicized because if that was publicized and that was pushed in everybody's face then it would demand people to have to step it up right be better artists be more talented and it's harder to find more talented people and make them step it up it requires work ethic it just requires time it just requires money right it's easier now when you don't put people through no work ethic. You don't even care about how they sound. You don't have to invest into them or put time to make them grow. You just take whatever they got, put it out, see how it do. If it work, it work. If it don't, you just move on to the next artist. Right. That's pretty much the formula of the labels now. So in order to, 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 to keep doing that, they're going to have to push out there that that's the way to win. That's, that's what everybody likes. This is the way to win. So they can constantly keep people doing it. Right. So it, it don't really be like that, and it's not that the young boys not showing respect because they have to. They had to listen to something to learn the science. It's like with music or any type of talent. You're not just going to get it out of nowhere. It's like you have to, like if you're nice in basketball, you didn't just get nice at basketball out of nowhere. You had to watch somebody play basketball before you. Right. To be able to get that nice, you didn't just get that nice at basketball on your own. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, you yeah. Have to study the people that came before you that put in the work to get the science to where it's at, so you could potentially take it to the next level. Right. So these dudes got to study the dudes that came before them, and they do respect it. But if they show too much respect and put and and, and really say how they feel, then it's going to make the people that deserve it get more light and attention, and the people that don't deserve it, like they self who half-assed and not really working and not really that nice, they won't be able to exist no more if they put that out to the world. Right. Now... It's it's like back in the 70s, people might have been smoking a little dirt weed or something. Right. That's all around. There wasn't no hydroponics. There wasn't all these different type of smokes and dispensaries and growers and all this stuff. It was like it was rare. So the weed that they probably were smoking back then was probably more dirt. Right. But as soon as better stuff started coming around on the years and people started getting the wind of it, the rep, the, the, the words started to spread around that it was better, that it was better, that it was better. And people started to demand it. Now, you would never find that thing that weed that was around in the 70s. Like, not even the worst man. That, you ain't that, never lying. That body got that no more. <laughs> so it's like, you know what I mean? Times change. Once you show people what they was missing out on, they're going to want better. Right. It's only when they just, when they don't understand 
or it takes time to build up too. Like back in the seventies, that that type of weed was better because people probably wasn't that smoking that much, so that that weed was strong enough to do the job then. Yeah. But as time passed, people needed something better, so now that won't do the job now. You need something stronger, something better, something more developed, and it's the same thing with music. It's not going to change all the way, but it, it do need to um to grow, get better, mutate. And get more powerful and stronger. Absolutely. You know, one thing I um I always admired about you though, and um like I said, I I've I've always been a fan of yours since I was introduced to you um back in the G. Always been a fan and I always had a level of respect for uh what you brought to the game. Um but the thing the thing that um that I, I really admired about you is once you positioned yourself into a position, it, it, you know, you always, um, put people in position and try to put people on now, you know, but then it seemed like, and I'm not saying everybody, but you know, I keep up with, with the way you, with the way you move and I keep up with your story and stuff like that. People that I'm a fan of, I always stay, stay tapped in. And, um, it it seemed like all of the people that looked like you know was was a part of this movement that you were bringing up to radio stations, putting on shining light on. It seemed like something went wrong there, to the point to where it ended up just being back cast again. Can you explain why, like, when 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 you trying to share the light or whatever, um, why why do you think these type of things happen? Because of agendas or just your perspective on it? Um, I think it probably got a lot to do with just expectation with me dealing with artists or people that I might have had around me. Mm. Or you might have seen be with me before, rapping with me before, and they're not around. Right. Um, now, it's because, um, for one, life. Um, a lot of dudes that you see with big clicks, the people that's around them, they be younger. So when you're younger and got less responsibilities, you can mob out and move around and stick together better. Uh-huh. But as you get older, get more responsibilities, kids and wives and families and bills and all of this stuff. is like you got less time to just spend freely. You got to lock in more. So that could be a part of it. Another part could be... Um, I'm, like I said, I'm in it to be the best. So when I when I get people around me, I like to teach them the science. I like to give them stuff that nobody can take away from them. There's information that you're going to always have in your head, so you're going to always be able to use. Now, success or status or record deals or contracts, like at a snap of a finger, a person could take that away from you at any given time. Mm. They're not going to be able to take away what you're capable of and what you know and what you're able to do. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's what I trying to teach the people around me more than anything. But being confused with how the industry works, they just expect you to do it the regular way they think you're supposed to do it. Like, just take them to get a record deal. I record a song, then I put it out. Everybody hear it, and I make money, and I just start doing shows. They don't really understand the real way the business works. So when they really get into business, and they realize that it's hard work, it's dedication. It's not just writing a verse here and there and just doing a show here and there. Like, it's real dedication, real hard work. Right. Some people don't be willing to put in that type of work. You know what I mean? Right. Industry sometimes can make you believe that it's not that hard because you hear a lot of people on the radio that could barely rap. They're not even that lyrical. So you're like, man, I probably could have wrote that rap. And right. You only air like maybe one or two songs, so it don't seem like that much work. So to you, it just seemed like it would be easier to do. But when you put people in the industry and they really got to deliver and come to the table, it's just difficult for them to do. It's not as easy as they thought. And sometimes they like to back away and not put in the work. So that's the reasons why we could split up. But anybody that I ever had around me or that was rapping with me or you seen with me, even though, I mean, we might not be a clique or they might not be rapping with me no more, we still got relationships and they still look up to me the same way. And if the um, if the relationship was ever tarnished or whatever, it's just on their side. I'm still right. the same. 
same amount of people that could reach out to me from when I was 17 when I first started. I just was on the phone with today. Like, I was just watching the throwback video, me and Swiss and all of them did in my hood. So, 15 years old, I'm just watching it, looking at how I was looking when I was young. The same people in the video there, the same people I just was on the phone with, planning for my next event. So, right. It ain't really changed too much with me. But some of the artists that I tried to work with wasn't really hungry enough or wasn't willing to put in the work so that we could take it to the next level, like on the mainstream scale. But a lot of them did get a big name, got a crazy fan base, and a lot of people knowing from the work we did put in. But it could have been even bigger if they were stuck to it and put in a little bit more work. Right. Your position your position on the chessboard in in the game right now, um is is that is that by choice do you do you prefer with all the experience and, and experiences that you've went through and, and all the stuff you've been through in the game, seen your position that you're in right now, um, cause like you, you know, you're your own boss, you, you, um, you know, you got your own situation going on. Do, do you prefer it that way and just have, uh, tides or utilize the machine, um, as needed? Most people, 99.9% of the people that do music will need a machine if they expect some type of success or some type of fan base because they're not really that good. Yeah. But it is people in the world that's really talented enough and got the work ethic well in the ground hard enough to where they don't need the machine to where they can still pop regardless. Mm. So it just depends on the type of music you do, how dedicated you is, and what's the, what's the point of you doing it. Some people just in there in the, in the industry for a quick flip. So if you went in for a quick flip and just try and get a check, I wouldn't recommend you to do it like how I do it. Right. Uh, if I wanted a quick flip, I would have took a whole different other strategy. You know what I mean? But like I said, I rap because I want to be the best. I would still rap even if I wasn't in the business. Like if I was told you could never make another dollar again off rap and you could never be in the industry again, I would still rap. Like I just like the feeling of just being the best. So that's the difference. It just depends on what you're in it for, what you're trying to get out of it. Just have that as best on first. And don't don't jump from shit to shit. Like one minute it's because I want to be creative and I want to be an artist. Then the next second it's because I want a dollar and I want the money and I want the best. And then one minute is I'm making the best decision for the culture. Then the next second is I'm making the best business decision. It's like when you're bouncing back and forth, you're going to build like a shaky foundation like a lot of these artists so every time they you see them getting interviewed or something they just saying whatever they need to say was better for that time period right but me it's like it's, it's a solid it's solid it's like you can go up to interviews i did 15 20 years ago five years ago five months ago it don't matter and when the same type of questions or the same things come up i answer it pretty much the same exact way because it's based off truth not no um, not no publicist answer, not no made up answer, and not no lie that I'm trying to figure out a way to sound the best. It'd be real tough, so it don't matter when the question come up. I'm gonna answer it the same. Right. A lot of these people don't 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 be cut from the same club. Right. You um you 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 recently um I noticed you 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 battled goods and stepping stepping into um. I, I guess I would say what the, the new battle, the new battle era, because it has grown and it's on another level now or whatever. And I think you were one of the first, um, if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong. One of the first to, um, on the level that you have gained to step in that step back in that arena to, uh, to battle. Yes, sir. Now, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, well, I've been, what battle rap was going to be. Like, you know what I mean? Before all of these leagues started, I'm talking about every single league. Right. Before any of them existed, I was in the streets running around battling and making it popular. I was getting paid battles and getting money to battle before it was even heard of to get paid for battles. Oh. Like, these dudes even, figured, even thought that you can make money off doing it. That's what I was doing. So, you know, way back in the day, I told everybody in the world that I wasn't going to battle again until I got $250,000. And back then, they thought it was like, 
you tripping. You would never be able to get that type of money. Like, it didn't even make sense because artists was getting $100, sometimes mostly coming out for free. The biggest artist getting like $500 a battle or something like that at the time. Right. It was like, how can you get $250,000 when the biggest rapper ain't even getting a thousand dollars? Right. Since at the time. But I knew the energy that was in it and I knew the work that I already put in and how much the streets was going to demand that energy. So it was going to continue to grow, get bigger, more people going to get interested because that's the life. So I didn't know if it was going to take a year, two years, or ten years. But I knew eventually it was going to grow and get big enough to where they was going to be able to bring back to the table for artists like me. And that's why I'm back. I didn't come back until they came with the 250. Right. Alton David and Lush One and them, they came with the number that I was asking for. And that's why I came back. So it wasn't ever like I left Battle Rap. That was always me. But I just was waiting for them to get the money up that I wanted. Right. But now it's bigger. It's more investors. Like, um, we just got an Uber Eats endorsement. We getting all different type of endorsements, all type of um, money invested. The venues is selling out even quicker than concert tickets. Exactly. So it's, it's, the energy is there. So now people see that there's a lot of money in it. Now people see how interested people are in the battle rap. So um, real, real soon, you're going to see even more investors, more people getting involved, more people um, taking from the energy of battle rap because it's like a core part of hip-hop. It's like, and, and people love, um, when people are competitive, that's why sports are so big. Yeah. That's why boxing so big, UFC so big, NBA so big, NFL so big. Because people love to see people be competitive challenge each other and you could potentially lose or potentially win and you could bet on it and you you could try to be psychic and predict who you think gonna win like people just love that feeling since the beginning of time people been doing that right but when you give them that feeling mixed with the music and and everything like that that's when you get battle rap and that's what that's the part that's never gonna be able to take take be taken away you know what i mean yeah and no radio song but no little melody on the radio can ever make you feel like two dudes on the stage screaming and hollering and disrespecting each other and trying to body each other with bars make you feel. It's just two different feelings. It's not the same. Right. You, um, and, and, and that, I think what, that was the disaster one that you got the 250, uh, from? Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. That's one disaster. Then I took off another like four and a half years, and then I came back against Goods. Now that's what I want to ask you about the Goods one. Do you think that um, that being that you took that that four year hiatus and you came back or whatever, do you think do you feel like it was partially biased a little bit? Because I watched that battle, and um, I thought it was a super dope battle, but um, I was also I also like to check out the reviews and check out, um, you know, what people saying or how they, you know, people feeling or their thoughts about it or whatever. Do you feel like it was kind of, kind of biased in a way as far as the crowd and, and just the whole setup? Nah, I think it was more, yeah, I think it was more about on my side. Like, good didn't win um, in no aspect. But people be confused because this is why I did a song called 5002 and 0. It's on all the platforms for everybody listening. Y'all could go check it out. But that's why I did it because um, the URL rapper was like the Avengers and I was like Thanos. So it's like, <laughs> I'm coming back like in one battle. I got more money than these dudes got their whole career. Some mm -hmm. of them been in hundreds of battles and still ain't make as much money as mm -hmm. I made in one battle. Right. Dudes never headlined the card their whole career. They always open an act. My first battle after 15 year break, I came back and I headlined. They put that disaster card together for me. Then I came back again against Goods, and that card was put together for me. I was the headline. That's the reason why Goods had a big picture on the card because he was battling me. Uh huh. He had a battle after that that he just lost, and. He was back again a little face, like open and act. He wasn't a headliner. He didn't sell no tickets. He didn't make no money. And the event didn't do as good. But I got another event that I'm about to host in my city in Philly at the TLA October 6th. And it's going to be um, the biggest event ever in Battle Rap. 
So that's the difference. It's like I'm winning on every level. If you go to the uh, YouTube views, they played around with the battle a little bit too. It didn't really um, instantly drop. But once it dropped, it started doing crazy numbers. We already passed. We had like three, three point two or three point three million right now already, and no other battle did those type of numbers. Even half of those numbers this year. Exactly. Like it's, the, it's, it's the biggest battle of the year. I sold out tickets over a month ahead of time, like like a month and a half before the event. Tickets was already sold out, so that means the investors made their money back before the event even went down. Right. Pay-per-view numbers was at the highest. Um, no battle event ever did those type of pay-per-view numbers before. So I made history on every level and um, and did everything that you're supposed to do when you doing it on this level. So there's no possible way that they could be biased, but people might get manipulated when they watch the video because the Avengers, all of the battle rappers was right in the front. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> They was by the cameras and they was by the people that was recording. So when you hear the energy, it's like a lot of the responses or the direct stuff that you can hear is the people that's right by the camera and those was the Avengers. Right. But it was over 2,000 people in the venue. So it could make you think that when you hear a noise that it's everybody doing that or when they do this, it's everybody. But it, it wasn't like that. It was just a different response if you was in the building. But... um. I kind of felt like it was going to be the, the Avengers and the, and the battle rappers was going to be a little biased and jealous because if I was in a position and dude like me came around, yeah. I would probably be too. So it was it was expected, but there's nothing you could do with me. And I'm saying I don't pull, I don't crack, I'm going to come through. And the footage is out. So now everybody that's in the world, not just the crowd, because I told you, like, even if it was the whole 2,000 people in the crowd, that's still only 2,000 people, but it's already past 3 point something million views. Right. Those 2,000 people, how can you compare that to the 3 point something million people? It's like even if the whole crowd felt that way, it's still not a large enough amount of people to determine what's what. And that's how the industry works. That's how the mainstream, that's how they manipulate. I told you about manipulation earlier. Mm -hmm. And that's how they manipulate the world by thinking that one comment is how everybody in the world feels, or more people feel this way than this way. And before you do your evidence, and before you really think about it, if they throwing it out there like that, you just assume it's that way. But it's not, man. I go with real evidence, man. Um, my price went up since the good battle, and his went crazy down. He's <laughs> fine battle. Like, I could get him for four figures right now. Yeah. Like, a like, when people try to do the comparison, it's like, when you bring up what really matters, it's like, there's no comparison. It's like, there's no way in the world you can compare us together. And on top of that, like I said, I took 15 years off, then I took five years off, and I came back. These niggas battle all the time. Like, that's all they do. Yeah, yeah. I don't even battle no more. I'm just coming back just to show dudes that I'm the best, and I'm still smacking them around. But <laughs> yeah. the reason why I'm so excited is because October 6th, this is the first time that I'm a battle and and it has not been so much time off. Like I told you it was fifteen years off, then it was four and a half, five years off. Now it's only been a couple of months. I got in that in April. Yeah. So it's only gonna be in the same year, like you know what I'm saying? I'm I'm fresh, I just did it. So the feeling is back like when I was a young boy again, I'm in a different bag. So to give you an idea on the scale um, from 1 to 10 of my capabilities, when I went against disaster, I was at like a 5, like probably, you know, half. Oh, man. With that's... Goods, I was like, with goods, I was like a 6. So I know, like, even when I'm at a 5 or 6, half of what I'm capable of, Yeah. I know they still can't mess with me. Like, I'm still way better than, better than them at a 5. But right now, you know what I mean? Right now, in this space I'm in, I'm already at, like, eight and a half nine and this is you know wild weeks before the battle so by the time i get on the stage there's no telling where i'm gonna be at so it's gonna be a whole different me which the people never seen before and like i said they can't even deal with me at a five so with me at a ten or a nine or whatever it's just it's gonna be too much and it's gonna make history this battle gonna be remembered forever who you who you who you battling can you mention that now or, or it's, it's still not ready for mentioning yet 
Oh, you battling Arsenal? Yeah. Oh, that's that's gonna be that's gonna be a real good one right there. Yeah. Arsenal, yeah. Arsenal, Arsenal. 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 Wow, that's gonna be a, that's gonna be a nice one. Arsenal kind of animated too. He 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 get in there. How much preparation do 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 it take, man? Cause like I, I just I, I listen to some of the stuff that you be saying, man, and it's just like so accurate and so detailed and so on. I'm saying to myself, like, damn, how much time and prep does it take to be able to prepare to battle um whoever you're battling? <clears throat> It take a it, it, it take focus, it take dedication, and I think that's what the battle rappers nowadays are lacking. That's another reason why I be talking down on them. Not that I think I got just more God-given talent than them, but I feel like I'm a way harder worker than them. Mm. I've been working for, like I told you, I was 15. I'm giving you stories about when I was 14, 15, running around rapping. But ever since then, you know what I'm saying, I never stopped. So this is over 20 years of work with every day going in. It's not like I just was working once a month on a rap or every now and then. It's like, no, every day, hours and hours every day for 20 years straight. So it's just too much work. It's just like if it was a physical sport, like, and it was like maybe basketball, then maybe as, as if more time passed, you're going to weaken it. The younger players are going to be more athletic and probably more capable of doing stuff you're not. But when it's a mental sport, it's like the more you learn and the more time passes, the better you're going to get. Right. It's like I put in too much time already for anybody to just start. Like how can a young guy start that just started rapping when I was already nice when I first started rapping? But I put in all of this time, all this work, and learn so much. It'll just take a dude too much time to get to my level. And plus, they work ethic don't be right. Like, I be talking to dudes that got a battle. There's some dudes that got battles, like, um, on the 31st of this month. Right. In a couple of days. And you'll call them now and be like, yo, you finished? And they be like, oh, Moose, I'm, I'm still working, man. Like, they still working on bars, and it's a couple days away. Right till they get on the stage, they still gonna be going over bars and trying to remember stuff. Right, and that's not how you supposed to be prepared. Like you, that that don't show me that you on your job, especially these dudes that only battle rap. Right, you don't no albums out. You don't do nothing else. You don't you don't got no family for real. You don't got nothing. All you got to do is focus on battle rap, and you barely doing it. So it's like me on the other hand. I guess I'm supposed to have three rounds prepared. I'm at least have six to seven rounds. <laughs> yeah. You're going to go a three round match, then I'm going to at least have six to seven rounds worth of material for you. Because that's how much I'm going to be locked in. Like I told you, I got a, a battle October the 6th. I'm already done. I already got probably four rounds ready now. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like today. So we had the battle tomorrow or tonight, I would be ready. Uh -huh. like, it couldn't even mess with me now. So, But I still got a while more time to practice, prepare, and to do everything I need to do. But I'm already ready now. That's, the, that's how much I go in. And I know these dudes, none of these dudes ain't that locked in. Like, none of these dudes don't go that hard, write that much, or be that conditioned like me. Right. That's another reason why I know I'm better than them, not just because of the God-given talent. Or my history or what I've been through or how real I am, but also because of the work I put in and how hard I go. Every day I'm locked in, and these dudes not. But I'm back to show them that that's what it takes. You got to constantly go in. You got to make this a full-time job. You can't expect to get millions and millions of dollars off this music and a dude that go to McDonald's getting minimum wages, making um, low money, but he putting in more hours a day than you. He doing like six to eight hour days every day. Right. McDonald's and getting minimum wage, not really making nothing. But every day he putting in hours and hours and hours. And, and they rap 
but they don't even put in, every, they don't even write every day. And when they do, they might go over, they rap for five, ten minutes, and then it's over. They're not putting in hours and hours a day like minimum wage people is, but expect to get hit records and women and torn the world and all the success and jewelry and cars. It's like, how? You don't even deserve it. Right. You know what I'm saying? You're not even doing nothing to deserve what you're trying to ask for. So, that's the difference. Man... So that's what we got to look forward to in in the future. Let's let's put that out there again, man. A date. October the October the sixth is in Philadelphia at the TLA. Tickets is for sale now, and the trailer should be up. Um, any day now. We already shot at the trailer, and the promo should be up real soon. Me versus Arsenal is going to be a lot of other big battles on the card too. It's gonna be the the card is gonna be phenomenal, man. It's gonna be crazy, man. So first not, time that Smack URL was ever in Philadelphia, they never did a event in Philadelphia before, so it's their first time. Oh man! When Smack was in Philadelphia. He was holding the camera. I got this freestyle. The block pops so the strip full. Rock's got a fist full. Bull pop shit. The hot shit. I got a clip full. It's me, Swiss, all my homies. We across the street from Palmer's on Spring Garden in Philly. And Smack was actually holding the camera. This one, he was doing the Smack DVDs before the URL first even started. Like, URL ain't even exist yet. Come on. He was holding the camera for the Smack DVD, and I had him in Philly then. But the URL, the Smack Battle League, never came to Philly before. And this where the energy started at, so it was going to be a historical moment just to bring, you know what I mean, battle rap to the city on a big level like that. Man, that's going to be, like, super major. Super major, because it's it's like I say it's it's really like it's it's like on the fight level now, man. Like everybody everybody is talking about it more. Everybody's tuning into it more, and the numbers are crazy. Can we put your um your social platforms out there um for all of the listeners and uh, all of your fans? Yes, sir. Um, on social media. Twitter and Instagram and all that is um, Cassidy underscore Larson. That's underscore L-A-R-S-I-N-Y. Blue check there. I don't see the check. It ain't me. Cassidy underscore Larson. And if you want to do business with him music or, and I mean, do any business, need features, want to book some shows or anything like that, you can hit me at shitliddy at gmail.com. S-H-I-T-L-I-T-T-Y at gmail.com. I'm always on deck. I'm always ready to do business. So reach out, holler at me, and I'm ready to work. Let's get to it. Cash too, man. Um, again, you know you got to come on this platform. Matter of fact, um, you think you'll be able to come back on here before uh, b- before the uh, event to talk about it? Um, I don't know. Hopefully, let's make it happen. We just gotta we gotta work it out. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm gonna I definitely try to stay as busy as possible. So if it ain't nothing set up, I'm gonna try to set something up. But you know, I get you in the loop whenever you're ready. To. Yeah, yeah, man. I oh. I definitely appreciate that. And before you go, man, I always ask my guests to drop uh drop a nugget, man, on any inspiring artists or anybody that's trying to um find a find a way or find a path, man, in this entertainment business. Can you drop some jewels on them before we get up out of here? important thing I could tell anybody out there because there's all different type of music and types of people but one thing I could tell you is um, keep the higher power to guide your creator first and believe in yourself more than anybody else a lot of people be trying to get other people to believe in their music but they barely believe in themselves you got to believe in yourself more than anybody else because it could be a time when everybody seems like they're riding with you or it could be other times where it seems like everybody going against you but regardless of the fact, you got to keep your brand going and going strong. So that's going to take belief in yourself, and believing in yourself going to take work. If you know you're putting in the work and you know you're grinding hard enough, then it's going to make you believe in yourself because you're going to be able to know that you're working harder than everybody else, which is going to make you be in a better position. So that's the best advice I could give to any artist out there. Believe in yourself more than anybody else. Absolutely. Cassidy, man, again, bro. I appreciate the love. Appreciate you, man, joining us on the show today, allowing us to get this opportunity. Nothing but love. More success to you, my brother. Thank you, 
Thanks for having me, man. Absolutely. So we do it again, man. Keep holding it down, man. But I appreciate the love and support. And everybody out there, October 6th is going down. Oh, yeah, before I leave right now, I just released a project on my birthday. That was July 7th. The 14-song project called Numbers is on all of the platforms right now for some new music. And since then, I dropped 14 other records. Every day I was dropping the record after. This is the next battle, and it's mayhem over here, man. Appreciate the love. Mayhem Music. It's the Vibe Show with my guest tonight, the legend, Mr. Boss, Mr. Chicken, the one and only Cassidy, we out. Easy, bro. Yes, sir.